How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? It's actually going pretty good. Yeah? This is effectively my Friday, because I don't have to work tomorrow. What? I cooked up some dinner. This is my last Friday off in January. This is how I burn my PTO time. Wait a sec. We also got a Nate here. How's it going tonight, Nate? I got some for this. Peachy. Peachy, I listened to oh, it enough good. soapstone Ooh. to know that peachy is the only correct response. <laughs> Banana? No, it's not right. It's not right. Nope. Uh, oh, that doesn't sound right. Wrong fruit. Wrong cantaloupe? Fruit. You just got to get them all out. Abort. <laughs> <laughs> tomato. It's a tomato. Um, if, if it was can't cope, yeah, I'm definitely there. Uh, <laughs> can't cope. This is what copium is made out of. It sounds like Ooh. Mario now. Can't cope. I'm trying to farm that copium. Maybe <laughs> export it. That can be my GDP. Yeah. Copium muffins. It'll be, it'll be great. Ooh, I this just is, eat the tops. <laughs> <laughs> this is a multi-layered reference because, like, what is it? Uh, poppy seeds can get you to show up on like a drug test. I think I read something about that. I, yeah. It's like it's an old Seinfeld thing, right? I think you need like one pound per seven pounds body weight. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> okay, that's it's a lot. Very, <laughs> very trace amounts. Oh man. Uh, yeah, I, I've never had that experience. I guess it's probably like an old wives' tale. I just like don't eat that muffin before going to the interview, because I want you to starve. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta go in hungry, right? Uh huh. Yeah. A friend tried in high school, and his mom, while he was holding the canister to his mouth, had to Google, "Is this actually dangerous?" And no, not really. What's yeah. the answer? <laughs> I mean, I That's guess good. it's good that Google exists. Um, right? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely not googled before doing anything stupid it's usually i find out later i'm like oh that probably wasn't the best call but we're still alive so i have that reaction after somebody calls about uh, my car's insurance um and the warranty is expiring I'm like oh, oh shit this call yeah <laughs> what you gotta do is uh, just hang up immediately because uh <laughs> if we're if we're stepping outside of the, the the joke space for a second here i don't really answer if oh, okay. somebody calls me and i don't know who they are <laughs> i assume they'll leave a message if it matters if it's a real person i do like asking which car and having them try to figure out make and model when they just obviously don't know it's kind of fun if it's a real oh, person yeah. to have them be like uh the, your your primary car and i'm like yeah which one <laughs> it's a fun little thing to do is this the one that I drive for work or I drive on the weekends? <laughs> it's got to be more specific here. Mm-hmm. The jalopy? No, no, no. That's paid off. <laughs> Jalapeno. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, we haven't had Nate here on this thing that we call a podcast uh, before. Um, so, what are your credentials? What do you? What do you? Uh, what do you have? What do you have to present? What's your All offering right. that you brought for us? I guess uh, this offering number one would be friend of jacket. Okay, that's good. Nice um, things. And I would say that I didn't really game until meeting Jake and some of our other mutual friends. And mm-hmm. so a lot of the games I play and have tried out come from suggestions from this group. 
uh, I do remember Dave sending me like a, I don't know, 20 game list through Discord the one day. And I think I bought 10 of them on the spot. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm at varying degrees of finishing them as we speak. But it's been a lot of fun. I'm kind of new on my PC gaming journey. I can second this because I remember a distinct time where like, you're like, oh, yeah, The Witcher. That seems good. Like, I'll pick that up. And then here's this other game that's also 40 hours. And you pick that up, too. And I was like, you're <laughs> building quite the backlog immediately. And I yeah. am the worst at finishing games. Yeah, there's still that same backlog, just 40% through a lot of games. Well, I mean, to be fair, like when I see you online, it's like, oh, that's that game that I recommended like a year ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> so like, I do yeah. see like the progression through. Um, mm-hmm. But how have you been? enjoying gaming as a whole for the most part oh it's great so i mean i played xbox console noob back in the day in college and high school and all and it was just a lot of cod some fortnite when that was big basic games and then got Mm. a pc after uh, graduating got into some fun stuff and uh, yeah i've been loving it It, i'm kind of trying to branch out of just fps as a steady everyday play all i ever do is valorant cod um so yeah, it's been fun learning some more story-driven games and role-playing and stuff. Oh yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I mean, I haven't played... So it's been a long time since I played COD. It's been a long time since I played yeah. anything, really. Overwatch is the closest thing to my competitive shooter space. I wouldn't say that we're close to going pro um, <laughs> or amateur. I mean, it's sometimes... like the most common <laughs> FPS, though, for sure. Yeah. Like Left 4 Dead 2 is the once a year we talk about doing it, but don't do it. Oh, we've game. done that. That's another one that I hadn't played. And Landon oh, yeah. and uh, a few others were like, we're playing Sunday. Let's do it. Nice. <laughs> it was fun. I saw that Valve loading screen for the first time and everyone thought it was a big deal. Yeah. They've changed it a couple times. But are you talking about the uh, the the scary one? Where it's like, like a sprinkler head looking oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple different ones. They've gone through some iterations over the years where it like trembles and like starts to turn around <laughs> and flicks back. Um, and uh, then there's the the standard uh, static image one, which is less exciting. But... but yeah, I mean, of that list, I was just actually talking to Jake briefly the other day. I finished the Stanley Parable. Well, finished in quotes. That was you, quite you a time through day. the game. <laughs> right. I, I doubt I've seen everything there is to see. But there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how was that as far as like, obviously, there's no combat and it's very much exploration and you kind of explore to make that story and then you find different branching paths. Yeah. So it was, I mean, recently I've gotten a little tired of sitting at my desk after work. It's the same desk for work and for games and stuff. And, you know, after eight to 10 hours in the desk, I kind of just want to do something else. So I got some big old adapters and now I can sit on the couch and play more immersive games. And uh, yeah, I really liked that. So things like Stanley parable and playing doom eternal that way I can sit back there with my controller and just enjoy. And yeah, it was a blast. Definitely different. I had never been really narrated to in that way. Right. I liked that a lot. The narration of that game was up there in my favorite things. Mm -hmm. That's the most memorable thing about that game. Actually. It's Mm -hmm. like, I mean, it literally is narrator of the game, but, um, it's still it's still really solid did you come across any of the um like pointlessly repetitive tasks where Mm -hmm. the game's just like we're gonna let you do this as long as you want (laughs) yep oh yeah yeah and i have roommates that 
kind of game, but also like watching stuff like that. And we were all making decisions together. And the narrator would be like, go left. And they'd be like, no, go right. And it was a fun little, you know, everyone had some input kind of experience. <laughs> that's good. Stuff like that's fun because like if you have three people doing it, one person will have something in mind. And then two other people will be like, we got to go back and try that branching thing where you ignored my thing to go left. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think like Dave and I both had a um, like, like a couch co-op phase uh, where we were picking up games and I got like I bought like four Xbox controllers. I've used one of them, I think maybe two once. Um, but like that type of that vibe, that couch co-op hangout play game vibe is just I miss it. You know, from classic um, classic gaming, going over to a friend's house, that sort of deal. So there's pros and cons to having roommates, <laughs> but yeah. uh, that's that's definitely one of the pros. We all bring up another one of my favorite gaming experiences, which you've also covered on the podcast, was It Takes Two on the Couch with a Roommate. That was a blast. Just kind of working through all that controller movement. I don't know. I love all the parkour style stuff in any game. And uh, not that that's parkour like some of the what what do i see uh was it ghost runner is actual Mm -hmm. parkour and all but yeah it takes two platformy stuff it's a lot of fun on the couch yeah it was a super fucking solid game Mm -hmm. also it was i think of all the games i've played probably like the most cinematic Mm -hmm. where like every single turn around the corner like something new fun and exciting was happening and then on top of that like it controlled really well the mechanics were fun and not too outlived Right. It's okay. You're doing this for a little bit of time. You have fun doing it. Okay. Next fun thing. You're like, yeah. Uh-huh. I think it's that's like you're trying why to distract so a kid from something terrible <laughs> that happened to their parents. Like that's what the experience was, <laughs> and it was great. It's meta. Yeah, it reminds me of um, kind of Sackboy for like Sony, Sony's uh, involvement in Sackboy for PlayStation, where it's just like it's very high production value for a platformer. Like it takes two is insanely high production value um but it plays very smoothly it's really clean and my gosh <laughs> i uh i can't imagine the amount of effort that went into all of that art yeah i can't doesn't get old that's what i love so many games the mechanics just get stale after 10 hours of playing or whatever but no matter how long it takes to takes you it's different every hour or so mm-hmm. which i love did you ever play anything like little big planet um, I watched friends and YouTube videos when I was a kid of all that kind of stuff, but I never firsthand played um, Little Big Planet or I don't know too many similar games, but yeah, don't think so. I'm, I don't I'm think glad I too many others as well. I just remember like playing Little Big Planet three with I think like five different people because like we'd start a campaign and then like we wouldn't finish and somebody else come out and be like, hey, can we play this game? Can we finally beat this game? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? We've never played this. You really need drop in, drop out type of gameplay for something like that, because otherwise you end up in that situation where it's like, hey, we're playing a three player co-op game. Everybody get together tonight. Let's do the co-op thing. Somebody's gone. So you wait or you go ahead without them, you know, mm-hmm. the cardinal sin. Um, Borderlands, the experience, basically. But Yeah, no, that's, that's really I good as a kid. And I, I kind of want to go back to now that. I have a PC and that I actually understand video game mechanics. I think, yeah, I actually was talking to a friend about this as well. I am a toddler when it comes to video game mechanics and learning and adapting mm-hmm. to what the game throws at me. 
um, it kind of hit me in the face when uh, Dave was talking about Witcher 3. And he was like, yeah, quick attack, Igni. That was all I did. That is all mm-hmm. I do in any game. Yeah, so. Um, <laughs> so do you look for like the simple pattern to follow then? Pretty much, yep. And the issue arises when that pattern doesn't work. And I just mm. keep doing it through like eight deaths. And my friend's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. Learn, <laughs> adapt. The game's hard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I feel my experience in video games is very much that where I find something that works and I do it until it doesn't. And then I'm literally forced to find a new way to approach the situation. Whether it's like Witcher 3 and I'm like, oh, I can't. They're magic resistant. I need to actually learn how to dodge and do things. Or like if I'm playing Smash and like the matchup is like, I don't know how to deal with this. And I need to either change my play style or change the matchup or something else. But it feels cool to, I guess, hit those roadblocks and then overcome them. You're like, aha. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just imagining like Legend of Zelda and you're like, you like find a small key and you're like, perfect. And then go straight to the boss. Store and you just <laughs> ram this thing in there. It's <laughs> a small key. It fits in the big hole. What do you mean? <laughs> I will glitch past the door. <laughs> it's clearly the path forward at this point. Brute force. Oh, I do have another quick question for you, Nate. Because mm-hmm. I've over the years, like had some people who are like hanging out and like, they're not big gamers, but I've thrown them, like, Hey, you got to check out this one thing. Like maybe Celeste. And like they were playing Celeste, and the first thing they did was jump on the spikes. And I'm like, in my head, do you not see the spikes? They're spikes, they're right there. But to them, they literally like don't have that game experience. Right. They didn't like immediately see that and be like, oh, that's death. They just thought it was background or something else. Have you run yeah. into stuff like that? I don't think so too much. I mean, I played my fair share of Mario and whatever else as a kid where you can tell what's not supposed to be touched and you know what is a goal and so i don't think that's as much of an issue i mean a lot of games too there's like lava and a rock which would you rather jump on and i'm like well i hope most people can understand not to jump on the lava (laughs) that's good it's good if you've learned that uh you uh you'll lose all your rings if you you know jump on the spike in mario or something like that spikes are very recurring in games um tony hawk all of those I will say, too, you brought up Smash, and I'm talking about learning in video games. Um, I played Smash as a kid. I played Kirby, and I hit down B every second of every game. Mm -hmm. And then I got hired into a company where people played Smash, and they don't let you just hit down B. And oh my god, the first (laughs) month was the most painful experience of my life. I was just getting dunked everywhere and grabbed left and right. What was funny about this i have one anecdote because i also remember you playing captain falcon a lot mm-hmm. and uh you loved up b on captain oh, yeah. falcon like up special still and do. here's the thing <laughs> like there was a balance patch not that long ago that made like his up b considerably faster and better and grab easier and i'm just like he was ahead of the game <laughs> he was ready for this yeah now i need to go back to falcon uh-huh. literally when he does the up b now it looks like he teleports a little bit and you're like huh <laughs> all right i need to get back into smash it's a lot of fun it is. it's okay i, I play it at least <laughs> i'd say maybe three to four hours a week you know it's, uh... <laughs> casual stuff yeah one day too that's the missing context one day oh, yeah it's not spaced out it's it's a binge yeah i would play it more but i don't want to destroy my friendship with jake <laughs> and nobody else will play <laughs> I heard yeah. Jake uh, started picking some 
anti-Dave characters. I heard some Bowser and some uh, oh. Cineroar have been thrown in there. Yeah. I mean, anything that has a command grab, I will complain about uh, <laughs> because I very much have the instinct to shield almost all situations. Mm. And then Jake's like, I, I got you. I'm like, <laughs> side B, side B. Uh huh. It's kind of like, like even the spirit board has like, oh, shield type, grab type, attack type. And it's like, it doesn't have side B type. That's the, <laughs> the strongest type out of all of them. But yeah, no, it's fun diversify your bonds there's a lot of fun characters and uh, one of the things i like about the smash roster it's it actually has this in common with mobas too is like if you ever start to get tired of a particular character you can just not you can just play somebody else in like the same sort of matchup and get completely stomped because you're terrible with them and then go <laughs> back to uh, <laughs> you know one of the standbys <laughs> so that's a genre actually that I've always wanted to explore, but it seems impossible to get into MOBAs. Yeah. Any advice, maybe, for people who don't? It's <laughs> just not worth it. <laughs> well, play HOTS, basically. It's very much because it's a team game, you really need to have your whole team with you, or you have to have the mindset of, like, hey, I'm here to dick around and have fun. And you might suck, and your team might yell at you, but you gotta, like, push past that, or, like, not be bothered by it. Because it's easy to, like, play a game for like 30 40 50 minutes and then it goes to shit and then you're not having a good time afterwards um but even so like i even though i said i would never play dota again i have played a couple of games with people just because i miss socializing with them but overall it's i still think a little bit too stressful and tryhardy for my liking yeah but this like again having that huge roster is really fun like, it's fun to play support that has, like, a lot of kill potential, more so than healing or something else. Or a character who's not Moira, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> theoretically, it's po- theoretically possible to make a character that's not Moira. No one's done it yet, but <laughs> someday, maybe. I would actually, so if you do want to get into MOBAs, I, again, agree with Dave, don't. But <laughs> if you were to, I wouldn't play Dota. I wouldn't play League of Legends. I don't play either of them, actually. Um Dota is like really complicated and it has years of changes there and like you could force yourself to learn it but it would take time and it would hurt and emotionally it's not even worth the payoff in the end. Um, League, self-explanatory. So what you do is you play hot instead because Blizzard's given up on the game. They actually do very infrequent balance patches which means they're not going to screw with it a whole bunch. Um, and it doesn't have any of the uh, advanced mechanics that the others do. Experience is split between everybody on your team, so mm-hmm. nobody balls out of control. Um, if you win as a team, you win. If you lose as a team, you lose. And there's no items. You don't have to buy anything. It's just level-up choices. Yeah, so and there's no gold either because there's no items to spend them on. Mm-hmm. So last hitting doesn't really matter. It's just very much like use your abilities, level up passively, and have fun with people. And it actually has the um, the only thing it really has over other MOBAs is like mid-game objectives. So it's like you load it into this map. Cool. You're going to be pushing a payload or collecting spider gems or doing something else. And if you do that thing, here's a massive advantage that's really going to help you win <laughs> the game. Um, I kind of love the setup of HOTS, even though I haven't really played it in forever. I mean, it's a looking back at it more than I'm not just like, fuck this game that isn't Dota. It's not Dota, yeah. yeah. It's uh, 
it has a lot of things that are nice and easy to get into for somebody who's like not really touched their genre before for sure um so yeah if you're looking for a moba definitely that one honestly mm-hmm. that also would play healthy, especially to someone who admitted they don't learn anything in video games well no like <laughs> you literally okay when i started doing mobas Back in college, we won't say what year that is. I'm old. Um, <laughs> in 1972. Hey, uh, so that's not say. Uh, but like, I with League of Legends, um, you had like seven ish free champions a week, and it would cycle, so you could play one of those seven. So it very much limited who I could play. So I tried one person. I played them for several games until I felt comfortable with like, oh, I enjoy their play style, or they're not so much for me. But you can still do that with a game, even if it's not forcing the limitations. You can just mm-hmm. say, like, hey, I'm going to keep trying this one thing, see if I like playing DPS or something more, somebody more tanky or somebody more supporty. And yeah, honestly, and just bo- find something like binge that thing and be like, yes, I like, or no, this is shit. Yeah, the way they do it in HOTS is like, it's like League, and that like you do pay in game currency to unlock the characters. Or IRL money, if you just don't care about money. Doesn't matter. Um, but they also have characters on rotation. So like if you're gonna play the game, you're like, great, this week all of these people are free, and it's gonna be like I can't remember how many, five to thirteen, something like that. Um and so you're like, awesome, I'll just play around with all of these random guys. Um, complete some quests, buy one if you're really interested in it. Um, with the in-game currency. Dota's not like that they have everyone available immediately and they actually had a um they had a limited heroes mode um what was which was just literally like let's pare this down to like 30 sort of beginner friendly people characters how many is the full cast for reference yep it's like a <laughs> hundred something it's probably like 120 ish oh to 130 God. it keeps going up there 122 that's apparently that's a lot. I need to do a quick Google search. Yeah. Hots has eighty. League has like a million. Does anyone know any like everything about all of them? Is that something people undertake? Yeah, oh yeah over God. time. So that's the thing. It's over time. Mm-hmm. Very much when I was playing early games, I'm like, what is that person doing? What are their abilities? And you don't really know what they are and like how to play against them until you have just some practice. Yeah. Um, League has 158 champions. My gosh. Too many. So hold Coming on. Can, you, can you get me an Overwatch same. hero count? <laughs> okay. One second. Because it's not <laughs> nearly it's probably many. between 30 to it's 40. Like, yeah. I think it's it's got to be like low 30s because I'm pretty sure 28 didn't come out that long ago. Because I probably don't have much more than like a day played in Overwatch. And man, do I struggle remembering 32. what every hero does. It shouldn't be that hard. But the amount of times I've heard nerf this and not gotten behind a wall, <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> It's me. I'm the this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. all of that said. That's really from practice. It's right. like mm-hmm. all of these games that we're talking about. I've spent too much time playing. So like instinctively, more so than like actually realizing and reacting. When I hear nerf this and I'm playing Moira, I just like count down and then press shift, mm-hmm. or I go behind a corner if I have like that cooldown. But that's out of just practice and nothing else. It's also worth noting for the people who are like considering going into MOBAs, like there are, you know, potentially a hundred plus characters, but there's not like a hundred plus 
concepts, if that makes any sense, right? Like there's going to be ranged people that do damage to you from a distance and they're going to try to do damage to you from a distance. And there's going to be people and they cast spells at you. And if those spells hit, you take damage and then there's going to be people and they cast spells at you. And if you get hit with it, you get stunned or something bad happens. And like it mostly boils down to those concepts. Um, Like there, there are some novel characters who can do interesting things, but significantly fewer than most of the cast. Most people are like do damage support utility, something like that. So um, hot hot has some interesting characters that like function completely differently. And they are one off like explain this type situations. Like the guy who becomes a tower (laughs) and you, he can just inhabit a tower and swing a mace. Um, but Dota does too. So it's like, it's just not most of what you have to learn. So that's not the daunting part. I don't think. Out of curiosity, what is your interest in MOBAs? Is it just like the genre? Like you've heard a lot about it? Cause it's yeah, like a I big mean, thing or call me a bandwagon or whatever, but I feel like I see a lot of tournaments and stuff and a lot of just esports clips and it's like best esports moments and boom, Dota and league and all this stuff is always oh, yeah. number one for like hype tournament moments. And I'm like, well, I want to know what that's like. I want to have a fun play in a MOBA, but it's just such a barrier to entry. I feel like. Yeah. It's, it's hard to find fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real problem. No, go ahead, Dave. It's, it's still possible, but like for me, my, cause I've done so much MOBA, like I've definitely had some cool moments um, over the years, but like my like look at from a distance is very much fighting games. Like even today, I watched twenty minutes of like a guy who was using the theorized worst character in Street Fighter Five, and then he like took a fucking tournament, and I liked is watching it, that progression. Is it Dan um, or is it somebody else? No, it was uh, Fung. Okay, he's funny. like a really tall, lanky guy who like he's very slow, and his kit sucks apparently, but like he fucking took a tournament so yeah stuff like that's really cool mm-hmm. but yeah it is i think one of the things of like games with bigger rosters smash included is when you find out those interactions that you didn't know about or if you find it out before somebody else does and you can kind of capitalize it capitalize mm-hmm. on it it can be really fun yeah i put like many many hours into dota like over a thousand and wow. I can't remember that many notable individual <laughs> stories. I just, I I do have a couple. I do have like a couple that stood out and I can think about them. And I've literally already told them to you. <laughs> so I'm not going to recount them here on the podcast. Sorry, everybody else. Ask me on the side. Um, but it's, it's more for the experience of playing with friends. I think that's the absolute ideal situation for a MOBA. And not like terrible friends or people who get really <laughs> upset if they lose because they'll find a way to filter themselves out of your friend scoop if you continue to play mobas with them <laughs> so maybe here's a question say i have four or five friends that also have never played do you think matchmaking would be solid enough to put us against four or five people that also haven't played and it would be tolerable or would we just get dumped on for a few weeks straight i mean initially because whichever thing you go in, you'll probably just be unranked. So it'll probably put you with other people who are unranked. Um, so it hasn't really calibrated how well, or your ELO, or whatever the fuck it's called per game. Yeah. Um, you'll be with other people who are unranked. So it won't be people who have really proven their skill yet, but they could be better, they could be worse, for sure. 
yeah. it's a mix. I wouldn't at point. I wouldn't expect to win the first game <laughs> of like any MOBA that you play though. Like first game should just be like, how does this work? Game um, one, stand behind your creeps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stand behind your summoners, minions. <laughs> it's it fun is. though. Like it is. As much as I'm gonna like shit talk the community and the overall experience, um, I have a a fondness looking back of the times I had with the people, but like not the time itself. Like I can't say, oh, right. in this game, this the one thing happened. I'm just like, I enjoy playing those, that game with people. You know? Yeah. To me, it's like Fall Guys. There's no one thing in Fall Guys that I've done be like, oh my god, we gotta clip this. It's just, <laughs> I, I look back, I'm like, oh, I've had fun playing this with people. Oh, I've yeah. had those moments. We just got back into Fall Guys this week. Um, yeah. It's a fun time again. I don't know why we ever stopped playing it, but it's weirdly fun. It feels like the dopamine rush I felt as a child the first time I touched joysticks. But for no they, reason, it's so simple. <laughs> they've added a lot, and they keep it cartoony and light. And they've definitely mm-hmm. made some improvements for like reporting people who are flying um, <laughs> and uh, finding a match, not kicking people all the time. I'm just imagining there's a report menu and it's just like reason bird. <laughs> <laughs> they are a bird. I mean, what what would you say was a, a fun recent experience that you recall from Fall Guys? I mean, I think it all comes down to there's two spots left in qualification and you're nowhere near. And all of a sudden like a hammer just bops you 200 yards in the air. Like it's happened where like you just get luck of the draw and boom, you qualify when you shouldn't have. And it's just, it's that moment where you you and your friends are sitting there watching and yay, we did it. It's kind of, I don't know. I love those moments when it shouldn't have happened and it does. It's just celebratory. Parentheses, big yeetus. For anybody who doesn't know, big yeetus is a hammer they introduce around like season two which is like a spinning hammer that they'll put on like some maps. Uh, and if you get hit by it, depending on how you're hit by it, you can be launched very far forward. But a lot of times uh, it might not hit as intended and you're just kind of burning time trying to like keep re-rolling. Like, please land on black. Please land on black. And it's like red 42. You're like, fuck. <laughs> and then you've spent two minutes not really moving forward. But yeah, like when you get those like cool high risk, high reward Mm-hmm. It's very fun. That's just about all I, I do in a like, video game. <laughs> Go for gold. I like the uh, the space of like that type of game where it's just it does one thing and that's all it really needs to do. Like it knows exactly what it is. Um, like we played uh, Knockout City not too long ago, and I haven't put a whole bunch of time into it. Um, both Landon and Dave actually have way higher rank than I have. Um, but it's a really fun like pickup and don't spend the entire evening playing it type game. But it's like it's literally dodgeball plus. That's all it is. It's dodgeball plus and it's fun. It knows exactly what it is and it's fun. Have you played that, Nate? Yeah, yep. I've played that. I played it when it came out initially and we had a few people, you know, playing in the group. And I remember Zach and Landon and a few others playing and I'm not great at it once again, but it's a lot of fun. Mm hmm. Um, I think those kind of just fall into the category of you can learn the controls having never touched a controller before kind of game, right. which is just, Zoin. that's why I like doing it when more than just hardcore gamers are in the house and all that, and everyone can watch, enjoy it. It's simple. Anyone can move the joystick left and right and hit A to jump. Like that's all Fall Guys really is at the end of the day. Yeah. Any game where you can like 
sit somebody in front of it and when they ask hey how do you play this you just like point it like the controller and like that's it versus going uh-huh. it's like the deep inhale you're like well <laughs> <laughs> first, first you gotta off, know this yeah let's talk about the parrying system <laughs> yeah i lower barriers or entry i appreciate more for people who are less versed with it because as we keep saying on here like been playing games since i was like a youth so a lot of things like spikes or movement or like exploring a map i'm like oh these are game things so certain things become a little bit too intuitive to the point where i assume everybody knows that yeah and a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't so having those things there and having them be accessible helps get more people into doing fun game shit i feel the one that like i think about the 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 tell for me as if you're like, hey, here's a cool game. Do you want to like try it out or something like that? And then they look at the controller to push the buttons. Like that's the biggest gap, like indifference. It's just, do you look at the buttons that you're pressing? Um, and I forget about it. I forget about it consistently. But it's like how your parents text for the first time. And they're like doing the the pigeon typing. Mm-hmm. They're like, sure, I'll text you. Contacts. Click your name, call. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say, Nate, has been like your biggest hurdle as far as like getting into more diverse games outside of like FPS? Uh, I think the biggest one would be that in FPS games, everyone has, you know, aside from things like Overwatch where there's roles, I'm thinking like COD, Fortnite, any of mm-hmm. the, the standard easy CSGO kind of games that everyone can just hop on. Yeah, CSGO is super easy. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah you say well, easy you know. for the competitive ones. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, everyone has the same amount of health. Everyone has the same access to guns, whatever. And, yeah. uh, and so I think coming back to things like The Witcher, even Cyberpunk, you can buff yourself. And I was like, oh my God, there's so much more to this game than just keep swinging the sword you got to you know plan out how you're gonna upgrade your skill tree you're buying things that are going to upgrade different parts of your weapon set and all that so yeah i mean just thinking outside of straight combat is definitely something that's still a bit foreign Mm -hmm. have you ever played like borderlands i know i mentioned it earlier i played pieces of borderlands 2 as a kid and then Mm -hmm. got back into borderlands 2 with the roommates recently kind of but yeah i do want to play the franchise the whole way through with people who care to actually play it correctly and not just mess around <laughs> i was gonna say just because like that is a good i think it's a perfect game to start building some of those skills just because it has skill trees but there's very few things in the skill trees that are like this is build defining completely crazy nonsense it's usually just slightly better at this here's a new thing you can do something like that there are exceptions right um but i think that's a good hybrid type game between rpg and shooter one game I really did enjoy that I did pick up because of the podcast was Control. Oh my god, that game was incredible. And that was probably the first time I really put time into thinking about how I wanted to advance through the skill tree. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was tons of fun. And I still say that Ashtray Maze is probably my most euphoric gaming moment ever when I didn't realize what was about to happen. And every all the yeah. music kicked in and I was like, oh boy. Uh-huh. That is... Once you get the key piece to go through it, great. I, um, yeah, before I that point, <laughs> I was, yeah, <laughs> I hit every single wall, every single piece of everything. Um, but no, that was huge. Um, I really, I looked at the box art for control. I'm like, 
okay. I don't, I don't know yeah. what you want me to do with it. Doesn't tell and you much. And then Gennaro is like, hey, this is a really good game. We're like, okay. And then everybody we've talked to after who's played Control is like, yeah, it's good. And we're like, yeah, holy shit. It's really good. I spent a lot of time just in the, um, there's like a wave defense, a uh, little side mission thing, like an arcade cabinet. Um, I was just like, all right, let's do this. Let's get in there. Prep the build, get a position, defensible position. Let's do this. It's just fun to play and fight in. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, if I recall, mostly third person, but you mm-hmm. could do like a, a zoom for sites. But you also had like abilities beyond that. And then you could levitate at points. And it was just, it was all fun abilities and it made the combat really engaging. Mm-hmm. And the story is good, et cetera. I mean, but yeah, that was a good one. You mentioned something there that I would say is also still a struggle is using all of the abilities and mechanics at my disposal. I'll just mm-hmm. sit there dashing back and forth and shooting instead of levitating and doing all the different dodging and blah, 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 throwing right. different kinds of punches and stuff. I just hit the same two buttons over and over again kind of thing, which is I'm playing through Doom Eternal for the first time right now. Mm-hmm. There is a mm-hmm. lot of different, <laughs> at least in my opinion, fighting mechanics and things do you have to get armor and ammo out of different mechanics you right. you know do it's not just random drops um so yeah that's definitely i die a lot in doom doom has like a massive skill gap between like not good enough to pass the level good enough to pass the level and then you beat the level in 10 seconds because you just min maxed everything and you went a million miles an hour burned a guy with a flamethrower chainsawed a guy and it was done it's like, it's crazy yeah, I I forget which difficulty. I think I played on hard versus normal, and I found myself a lot of times being like, oh, my health low? I need to like quickly dash into somebody, use the flamethrower to get armor to like buffer that, or mm. use like my chainsaw to like get health and ammo back. Like I would like use my dash to just get to them like yep. small person, please be the sacrifice I need. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Or dashing like man, we've talked about We've talked about Doom twice. Can I, I think I want to add I played Doom again for like an hour the other day mm-hmm. and uh it sucks compared to Doom Eternal. Oh yeah. Like just, Are you talking about 2016 or old yeah. Doom? Okay. Like I was just playing through like the first or second level and it seemed so basic from what I remember. Like you and compared to like what they added in Eternal, it's much more limited. Still a solid as fuck game. Mm-hmm. Um but it felt a lot more linear, less crazy, um, and just less polished overall. It's really the the biggest um, accomplishment of that game for me. It's like music's amazing, graphics are amazing, gameplay's amazing. But like they literally took a series that was the most rudimentary shooter. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. That's literally just what Doom was, right? It's just shoot things pick up health that's you don't even have ammo right it's like except i guess for some of the guns but like um or no you don't have reloading i should say there's not even any reloading um but they took all of that and they're like great keep the soul of that but like layer these rpg decisions kind of on top of it and it's like we'll give them the flamethrower and it's the like create armor spell, but we won't call it the create armor spell. It's a flamethrower and they'll use it on enemies. And like they fit it all into this package that people loved. 
they're like, yeah, we'll accept these RPG elements in our Doom series <laughs> for some reason. Um, and it took off. Massive accomplishment. And that's all kind of what I think. I went into Doom having seen some, you know, YouTube gameplay, whatever, thinking it was just COD zombies, but cooler yeah. for some reason. It's just going to be shoot, pick up ammo, level up kind of stuff. But no, I thought every one of the different kind of mechanics you can do to find loot was just a glory kill and it happened to randomize chainsaw sometimes like kind of thing. Nope. Mm-hmm. You control all of it. And yeah, it was, totally. it was a lot to learn at first trying to in, in the heat of it when there's 20 different monsters shooting at you. I'm like, what do I need? I need mm-hmm. shield. Uh, uh, why? I just slapping buttons, hoping for the best. Yeah. Lots to learn. It's, it feels good though to like get in the fray. Cause like I said, I didn't feel competent at the difficulty I was playing at. But it felt good every time. And then to get like glory kills, like I always loved reaching into a mancubus to like pull out its eye. Uh-huh. And like the sound effects they had for it, mm, choice. And they went so overboard. I know we're just circle jerking about doing here for a second, <laughs> but the um like the fact that glory kills are dependent upon where the Doom Slayer is facing relevant to the target. You're like, oh yeah, I'll do the leg sweep one, or like the one where you just like snap their head or whatever. It's insane. Crazy game. Yeah. Three way, out of ten. Way cooler than expected. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's really good. Was there it's anything like, on that good. list that really surprised as far as like expectations or that you had like no knowledge of beforehand? Or were they all kind of things that you had heard about? You're like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. I would say the one that was the most uncharted and I had no idea what to expect was Talos. Um I had never really played a puzzle game and I haven't finished it. I got really frustrated one night and said I was going to go back to it and I haven't yet, but I will at some point. But yeah, that was something totally new and I could tell it was a bit older and or maybe just low budget, but either way, it's still very fun and I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. Yeah. I, I don't hold it against anyone for not beating Talos because I didn't beat Talos when I played it the first time. That's why I had the, the big grin on my face when Nate was sharing that. I was like, this sounds very familiar. <laughs> The, th- the thing that broke me, and I know I've recounted this experience, was when um, I was like invested in the game, found a hard puzzle, literally went to work with Dave. It's like over lunch, we were workshopping the puzzle on the whiteboard. Dave knew the solution, but he's just not giving it away. Um, f- figured out a workable solution for this logic puzzle on the whiteboard. It's a spatial puzzle. I'm like, my gosh, yes. Felt so good. Went home completed the puzzle it worked and then the next puzzle was just as hard and i just dropped the game i was like i don't even <laughs> care <laughs> like, <laughs> see yeah my issue with that is old nate would have probably just youtubed the solution and mm. i'm past the point in life where i feel like that's acceptable and so it just takes so long to make it through games like that because you know i would put an hour into one puzzle and give up and okay. just youtube it and i don't want to do that anymore so it takes an hour four days in a row to get through one puzzle and well, depending on it, the puzzle, obviously. Yeah, it can be draining. Right. As long as you're enjoying it, I think it's good. Like, I enjoy a good puzzle. Really enjoyed Talos as a game. What was the the more obscure puzzle game that we played? The Witness? Mm-hmm. You're talking about the draw line through this weird shape? Reach the exit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say Uses yeah. shadows to define puzzles yeah. and nonsense. Yeah. So certain of those things I felt became too obscure and I wasn't enjoying the figuring out process. So like I, I stopped playing that one entirely. Yeah. Chamber 
is a weird mix of both, but I did <laughs> eventually beat that one. That's a chaos game. Yeah. You really have to enjoy the exploration and trial and error of those types of things, I feel. You can't get too attached to reality on that one. Because <laughs> it's just like doesn't work here. Reality, reality for forward. <laughs> but I think those are like really good for like first times. Like Nate, how familiar are you with us super liminal? Zero percent. Okay. So let me sell it to you quick. It is a puzzle game, but a lot of the puzzles are based around perspective. So mm-hmm. let's say theoretically you pick up an object and you hold it in front of you. If you move it to like the towards the corner of the room, um, it basically becomes smaller because it's perceived as further away from you. Or if you put it up really close to your face, it's gigantic. Mm-hmm. So sometimes like you're changing the sizes of things based on perspective or arranging other things based on that. And it's it can be like kind of like a really fine fun uh mind fuck in that regard. That sounds know, really cool. Very it's really weird. foreign concept, but that might have to be picked up. I don't I think it's, it's actually expensive. on sale currently on the Steam yeah. sale. No pressure, but it is it is a nice DM me, I'll game. buy it for you for like 13 bucks. It's fine. <laughs> No, it is it is a cool one. I don't I I don't like puzzle games all that much. Dave and I have a split here. We work through it. Um but there are some good standouts there. They're definitely worth playing. And we've covered all of them on the um the podcast the soapstone. So here's another one that I've heard is a must play <laughs> and I want to know mm-hmm. if you actually recommend it. The Dark Souls franchise. Is it worth getting into now at this point <laughs> oh in my, my life? God, <laughs> it's the most How much time do we have left the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> he says Peachy. He says Dark Souls. Like, what do you so, want me to do with this guy? Um, Jake, I'll, I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, so I was going to ask if you'd played it yet. Nope. None of them. Nope. Okay. None of them. Zero of them. Um, I think it's probably good. The thing about Dark Souls is I don't think everyone likes Dark Souls, and I think that's fine. But if you do end up liking Dark Souls, then it's like, it's really good. Gotcha. Um, is is there a need to start with the first and progress through? That's kind of my other thing with gaming at this point, I, is that I'm spoiled with <laughs> new games. Like Doom Eternal looks great. I don't, and things like Diablo 3 look great. I don't really want to go back and play Diablo 2 now. I'm spoiled and have a good PC. I have three entries into Dark Souls that I would recommend. See if Dave, <laughs> Dave's, see Dave's if Dave mad disagrees. at that statement there. Yeah. So, um, Dark Souls 3, which is the culmination of the series, essentially, um, because it's the most playable Dark Souls. Dave can't disagree with me on this one, he's nodding. What does playable mean? (laughs) So it's the most fine-tuned mechanically. Like some older games can feel a little bit clunky or just it's not quite as smooth or modern as you might expect. Mm -hmm. But 3 is very, very nice. Yeah. And if you really like it, it's no problem whatsoever to go back and play the older ones. Um, So that's entry point 1. Entry point 2 is actually Bloodborne, which is not in the Dark Souls series because it's an action game where you dodge like instantly with shadow-like iframes 
and it's gothic horror and it's really freaking cool um it's also standalone so like that's a really good way to see if you'd like that type of game there are people who played bloodborne and then tried to play dark souls and were like eh, it's not as fast or it's like it's not quite what i'm looking for and it's understandable because bloodborne's really good Gotcha. And then the last one, Sekiro, <laughs> which is also not in the Dark Souls series, but it's by FromSoft. Um, if you wanna, if you wanna weeb out <laughs> as a as a as an ninja, I mean, I I agree with that. Uh, I think Nate, if you're somebody who likes to kind of find one thing that works and be a lot more straightforward, I would actually say, even though it's faster, it might bias you a little bit. Start with Sekiro. Because you have one weapon, and that will not change throughout the game. Uh, There's no build choices you have to make. There's no, like, you do passively get stronger as you beat bosses and whatnot, but your play style is not going to be different from mine or Jake's because everybody has to go the same way. Right up my alley. Perfect. It is one of the harder ones. You can do backstabs. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 one of the harder ones though because it doesn't have an online component, so you can't like be like, "Hey, you beat the boss for me. Get over here, <laughs> right there. <laughs> Point him at the boss. Go for it." Yeah, like with earlier Dark Souls, a lot of times I'd find myself like hitting a brick wall, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna level up till my stats will allow me to do the exact same play style, but live." Mm-hmm. Um, and you can just kind of grind past that, or like summon in a phantom, like Jake was saying. But Sekiro is like. Here you go. You <laughs> have one boss. way forward. It's just getting good. Um, uh-huh. But it feels really fucking good to beat some of those bosses because you did it entirely on your own. Because you had to. Mm. It's the least like the rest of the series, though. So, like, you still kind of, even if you love Sekiro, you might be, like, not sure whether you would enjoy Dark Souls or not, but... It's so they're all good. I mean, we like them more than the average person. So (laughs) we have terrible opinions. Yeah. How do you feel about like game difficulty? Um, in in what regard? Like, do you like a challenge? I would say I like a challenge. I don't like dying twenty times and not knowing why, which. I haven't had with too many games, but okay, when I you'll, do, you'll I definitely know why again. you died in these games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like there are situations in like the the Soul series where you're like, oh, I finally made it to this safe place, and then someone uh-huh. will stab you in the ass because like you you let your guard down, <laughs> right? But then you know why, and you will avoid it next time. It's just stuff like that. Yeah. Um, or like if a boss kills you, you're gonna see which move killed you. It's not gonna be a surprise by any means. It's very much learning the mechanics. Mm-hmm. I feel thinking about all this. I don't think about this too often, so it's kind of cool diving into all of it. But I think I'm dumber against computer enemies than other people. Like I feel great getting into gunfights with PvP games and stuff, and I can just mm-hmm. outmaneuver people and aim and stuff. Like that all feels great. When I have to think about what the AI is probably going to do or patterns that emerge from you know predefined fighting algorithms, I suck. I don't know why. Maybe I need to see like a gaming psychologist. <laughs> Go to gaming therapy. Yeah. Does that exist? Hey, That's why don't you call better help? All right. The third boss. Uh... 
<laughs> Those are the hint hotlines. Yeah. From like the, the 90s. modern Nintendo power. Uh-huh. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. I don't know. That one that one's interesting. Uh usually I find people much more frustrating than <laughs> than bots. Uh source, I play StarCraft co-op, not StarCraft. <laughs> like completely different game. But uh Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. Maybe I'll grow out of it. I'm still I'm still growing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like every, everything in life is a learning experience <laughs> to quote Bob Ross. Like my uh, abilities and experiences change who I am for sure over time. That's deep. And occasionally like my tastes change. Like I recently picked up a puzzle game just to do some puzzly shit. Mm-hmm. It's not usually my bag. It's not my go-to. But I just wanted like a, a nice single player experience. Something ambient. Completely unrelated question. How do you feel about emotional games? Because that's the other like half of the games that we've covered on the uh, podcast. Do you like having feelings? (laughs) Do do you feel? Give me an example of an emotional game. I want to make sure we're on the same page. So Undertale. (laughs) Undertale is definitely one of them. Recently, Amori is another emotional game. I'd say Soma. It's got like psychological emotion in it. I've played zero of these, so maybe zero I need games. to to have input here. Halo franchise. <laughs> um. <laughs> when the music kicks in, I just start crying. <laughs> yeah, a lot of them are indie. I, I don't. It seems like there's something about running a soulless AAA publisher <laughs> where they just don't make emotional uh, type games. Well, I, I mean, from what you've said, Nate, pitch. Last of Us definitely has an emotional component to it. Oh yeah. Wait, Last of Us? I never played Last of Us. Did Jesus I say it Christ. Did? No, I, I do this all the time apparently. <laughs> uh, you're right though. Yeah, I was gonna say Last of Us I've seen a bit of and it sounds emotional. Oh my but god, I wouldn't I'm blanking. Know. Left for Dead. You're talking about uh the two of us? It takes two. It takes, it takes two. two. Jesus yes. Christ. That's just, actually just the, the only game when you said how do you feel about emotional games? The only game I could think of that had any emotion was It Takes Two. And I was like, is that too easy? Is that actually mm-hmm. considered an emotional no, game? I, I would say, I'd it, say is. it definitely yeah. has components. Like there's like one specific part of the game that I think hits everybody kind of hard. Oh yeah. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, see Nate knows what Nate just said, yeah. I saw the look in his yeah. eyes, he knows what we're talking about. The acknowledgement. Oh. Well, actually I was gonna say I didn't care nearly as much about the main emotional conflict nearly as much as I did about that moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I would, like it's meant to make you feel uncomfortable. I would say non gameplay wise, the Book of Love is definitely my favorite part of that game. He is top tier character in my eyes. Oh my gosh, yeah. He he grew on me so much. <laughs> yeah, Dave absolutely one, hated up. him when he came out. Well, he's like annoying, but like yeah. he's he's written so well to be annoying, but also funny. I don't know. He's he grows on you. Oh yeah. So yeah, I guess I guess they're mostly indie games that are, are kind of in that emotional space, but something where it's like, hey, uh you're you're headed on a Phil's trip. Um a lot of times they're not necessarily puzzlers, but like point and click type games or more basic in their mechanics. To the moon would be an example yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Gone home. A lot of things like that. Um, 
So are those, uh, I guess, more like story-driven games than mechanic-y, yeah. you know? Typically, of, yeah. Yeah, combat and platformy instead. Gotcha. But like, I'd say Celeste definitely has some emotional ties to oh, yeah. it. And that's very much a mechanics game. But throughout, with the story interwoven, um, there's definitely stuff going on. But it's it's fun to like go into something with the stoic... I know I'm using that term wrong of like, what? It's just a game. I'm not going to feel anything. And afterwards, you're like, why? <laughs> why do I feel? Yeah. <laughs> I would say even control, not that it had like deep emotions, but it had some profound kind of realization moments that definitely added to it for me, at least. Um, it has it has atmosphere. Yeah. Like it has such strong atmosphere. I would also say I'm a fan of games. I don't think I'm spoiling anything. I like games where the character doesn't know a lot and you learn a lot throughout the game about backstories. I I like a lot of those, like discovering what happened kind of things. It's an art in storytelling. So it's like, there's so many games out there where they're just like, all right, let's set the field. And then you have like dialogue telling you everything about the backstory of the world before you even jump in. And it's like, it's dumb. It's dumb compared to any game that like throws you in and then lets you figure out stuff about the world and the world is true to itself. And it feels natural to just be in that place. Like um, we talked about um, crap. I'm thinking of Senua and it's not Senua. It's horizon, the horizon series. Mm -hmm. Like they're perfect for that. You play with the same knowledge as the character you're playing as. And I love games that either put you at that pedestal or you actually have less knowledge than the person you're playing as, and the person you're playing as um, has a twist, something like that. I love those types of games. I like any good twist as well. That's always mm-hmm. a lot of fun when you have preconceived endings and nope. Yep. For good or worse, better or worse, that's the one. Yeah. Good or evil. <laughs> <laughs> better or evil. For Beyond Good and Evil, it's a. Uh, <laughs> Start making. I haven't up. played it, unfortunately. Oh, sidebar guys, Beyond Good and Evil, uh, though it is an old as fuck title, and yeah. I think might still have issues on the Steam version, it is a really good game. Like, just how it's written, music, combat, story. Mm. All just, it was a great time. But that's I'm like an old gonna... PlayStation 2 title, so yeah, bear that in mind. Uh, <laughs> maybe if it has like a re-release, or if they ever, you know, do Beyond Good and Evil too. It's like Final Fantasy pre-remake, basically. Final <laughs> Fantasy VII pre-remake. I feel like it's around need that, to uh, request an updated and maybe more heavily indie list coming out of this. I feel like I'm learning a lot that I would never have yeah. been exposed to. Tell you what, Nate, if you want to send us, like in that group chat, if you want to send us like some keywords of some stuff you're looking for or considering, uh, we can probably flesh that out for you for like things that we've experienced and enjoyed uh, for like games in that space. Or if you just want some like random stuff, do you want psychological horror or like inappropriate stuff? We can just throw that in there in like the same (laughs) game, you know? Um, (laughs) Let's just pick something from Dave's library. It's 50 50, either indie psychological horror or literally a porn game. It's either boobs (laughs) or like psychological horrifying boobs. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite the distribution, really. Now you got me thinking of some collaborative document we could start that has like 
two scales of metrics. One for like <laughs> a mechanical horniness. side. One, yeah, there you go, Shake. Horniness, horror, horror. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then anyone plays a game and drops it onto this chart of a couple metrics that you can say, hey, this game is highly mechanical and slightly emotional. Boom. If you want to play it, that's my rating kind of thing. And anyone can just add things. I like it. Have you guys seen the uh, the Steam? Um, they're not the contributors. The, the curators? Curators. Yeah, the Steam curators. And some of them are very basic. Where, like, one of them was, like, Commander Shepard. And all he did was, like, for his review for a game, would say, like, I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite game on the Citadel. Literally that. He wouldn't change anything in the format. That was the only thing his review ever was for any game that they reviewed positively. S- hear me out. Steam curator horror or horny and the only reviews that you can put on things are thumbs up horror (laughs) thumbs up horny (laughs) that's it what'd you think of this kirby game double thumbs up (laughs) (laughs) oh man my desire to suck has increased greatly (laughs) that's another thing that is shocking being a bit more grown up and exposed to more games. I mean, the Xbox game store doesn't have nearly what Steam does. Mm-hmm. And just the other night, my friend and I were looking at all the free games on Steam, trying to see if there was anything worth picking up. There is a lot of NSFW stuff in oh Steam. Oh, I was yeah. so shocked by everything that you can find there. Steam used to have a history lesson. Let's just <laughs> take out the, the chalkboard and all this. Like, So Steam used to have like massive restrictions on anything in sfw that was there there was nothing even close to adults only and like they had steam Greenlight was a big thing around this time so a bunch of games were spinning up and they were just like cracking down on it hardcore like also they were cracking down on the hardcore (laughs) and like basically none of it was getting through um steam was very very restrictive and then basically out of nowhere they're like eh we don't really care put porn on steam (laughs) and like all of these games got submitted and it is absurd how much of it is on steam since then they're unique in that they're the only major platform that does all of that but i can't believe how much dev effort goes into creating that stuff i don't don't know i just can't wrap my head around it Mm -hmm. but yeah i always go back to uh one of the friend group favorites, the Colonel Sanders dating sim. I can't uh-huh. believe yeah. that was genuinely pushed. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, again. Yeah, we had an episode yep. on it. <laughs> um, it was an experience um, that I don't necessarily want to live through again, but it's now a funny story I can share. Do you recommend it to those who haven't played it? If you want to know about the seven herbs and spices, you got to <laughs> date the Colonel. All right. It's uh-huh. the only way to do it. Yeah, it's like I couldn't remember how many spices it was, and I was just like, "It's, it's an probably SFW. 11, or is it seven? like nine spice flavor wonderful?" Yeah. Yeah, like that's what it stands for. But it's actually not an SFW. It's just hilarious. I think it's eleven, eleven herbs and spices. I think at one point in that game, you can actually like pressure the colonel to try to like get the eleven herbs and spices, and he'll like it's one of the bad ends. Oh boy! <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But that's life. Well, um, looking at the the old uh, hourglass here, 
Um, I flipped it over a couple times. It looks like looks like we're about done. But thank you, Nate, for uh, joining us as our guest on the podcast, recurring guest on the podcast. Um, you don't really get a say in it. Sorry, <laughs> but um, thanks for showing up. I don't very much signing any you contract here. like that. <laughs> you don't have to. <laughs> you, you weren't awake at the time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, happy but, yeah. to be on. Fun time. Yeah, glad to have you. I can be the uh, new gamer mind that the podcast needs every now and again. That's true. We have old blood. <laughs> you're supposed to fear the old blood. That's what I guess. I guess if you're on yearly, there's only really one good year to be a new gamer. So you got to find a new one for next year. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was. My brain just went to like, yeah, we need a fresh virgin sacrifice every year for the podcast. You're like, nah, maybe not. Maybe you shouldn't phrase it that way. Um, but if you guys want to be a fresh virgin sacrifices, you can send in your applications to soapstonepodcast at gmail.com or join the virgin message board at facebook.com slash slash soapstone podcast. My joke's so funny. I can't even talk straight anymore. As always, we'll see you in the next one. Have a good night. Nate, you say something too. Later. Later.